Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, Captain's Log, before we begin the episode. Um, I'm a liar. As you can tell, this episode's up early. I usually air these Housewives episodes on Friday, but it's Thursday, January 5th. As we all know, us Housewives fans, there's, you know, a new January 6th has emerged, as I've been saying recently, in the form of Jen Shaw's uh, sentencing, the um, theatrical release of Megan, which I'm very excited about, and I don't care. And also the release of Drag Race, which is coming back on MTV, you guys. I'm so excited that it's not behind those Paramount Plus walls. I'm I'm like, I'm all in. I'm really, really excited. That's neither here nor there. Um, what I was initially going to do, I was kicking around how to talk about the Jen Shaw sentencing of it all. And initially I was thinking, oh, I'll just tack it on to the end. I'll make the episode on Friday late. That way I can do live and late breaking news with regard to what happened to Jen's sentencing, which by the way, I'm like 98% sure because you guys were asking is going to begin at 10am Eastern time. So I was just going to fold that into the Housewives Friday episode. But then I thought, you know, first of all, Potomac had an excellent episode. And you'll be hearing all about that in a minute. Secondly, I don't know if it's fair. You know, I don't know if it's fair to the Potomac ladies to like also uh, loop in Jen's bullshit, you know? So because of that, I also feel like I'm going to have a lot to talk about, which really like added an extra layer for me. Seriously thinking, like imagine, like imagining myself as a high school senior, like 18 year old Kara and this Kara being like, you know, one day you're going to have to set aside time to record an emergency podcast about a housewife who swindled old people. And, you know, first two questions, what what's the podcast? What's a housewife? Um, so that's where we're at. But, you know, I'm blessed and I'm lucky to be here 
And because of that, I just wanted to, um, I don't know if honor is the right word, but, uh, you know, dedicate time to this monumental moment for Housewives fans near and far. And so because of that, we're going to be doing just like a regular Housewives Friday on Thursday. And I'll be doing a special episode all about the Genshaw on Friday. We're going to get into it. I, you know, again, ex- I was excited the word. No, but it's a feeling. That's certainly the feeling. Um, so because of that, I recorded the Potomac episode recap on Monday. So the uh, editing in the very beginning might be a little janky because I was like talking cash shit about what I was originally going to do. But now, as you know, I'm not going to. So with that regular Housewives uh, recap, uh, we're going to do a short one on Salt Lake because that was some bullshit. But you'll hear it in a minute. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Here we go. like some weird feeling about my friend? No. We're going. Why are you trying to dismiss my friend? Like that's, is this what you did to Jacqueline? Can you just clear the air? She's about to have bad intentions with you. Why is Ashley insisting that I talk to Sesame Street? Because Ashley is a messy hoe. Why on God's green earth would you bring this random Sesame Street character up to the place where I'm going to be? Go count some letters and some numbers. Go to your ABC. Go read a book to a child. The episode of Potomac, which actually was incredible. So funny. So, God. This is going to be a difficult one for me because, uh, <laughs> well, because of Deborah. And we'll get into that in a moment. So the episode begins with Karen and Ray. They're shuffling into the DC improv. Karen says in a confessional that she's actually the first non-comedian to perform at that location. I wonder also if she was the first any sort of performer to sell three wick candle, but more on that later. Um, Karen says in a confessional that she has since the reasonably shady show crossed all her T's dotted her eyes. She's going to be selling every ticket. Unlike some green eyed bandits. And she's not going to be asking people to come on stage and do aerobics. So we're already starting off on a good foot here. Matt is also there. Her assistant in a very odd outfit. But okay. Um, So he's like going through the run of the show, telling Karen and Ray what the situation is. Now, a producer asked Karen in a confessional, is this your show or is this something that Matt is doing and inserting you in? She's like, no, it is my show, but it's his vision. So Matt announces that none other than Jasmine Masters is going to be performing at the Grand Dame and Friends. So it's going to be, uh, the show's going to be on June 1st, which is, you know, the first day of Pride. Karen's, you know, because of that, I want to do a panel about love. 
Right. And so Ray is there. So Karen's going on and on about how, you know, we all want to talk about love, all forms of love, whether or not you are on the grinder or off the grinder, which I guess is how you refer to grinder now. But then she asked Ray, do you know what grinder is? And Ray's like, well, yeah, I mean, I think I know what it is. It's, is that considered underground or, or is it above ground? <laughs> and they both go, it's above ground. So I think he means down low. <laughs> Maybe it's like, is it an underground thing? Like a, yeah, like a DL thing. <laughs> Ray is so old. Um, but Ray then says, well, you know, I think it was rumored that Michael was on the grinder at some point. And Karen goes, yes. And that rumor was spread by your wife, Ray. So <laughs> then Ray wants to know, okay, so is this going to turn into a grinder party? What's the vibe here? And Karen goes, you know, it may be. If it is, I don't mind and I'm prepared, which is what I say about every night that I go out. So then we have Jacqueline go over to Mia's house. Ugh, whack, whack. At least she like got her church curls under control. She's looking a little bit less like my mom bumped the edges early this morning and more like a grown ass adult. But um, as soon as she enters the door, Mia, who's wearing a crop top, you know, legging situation, asks ja Jacqueline, why are you dressed so sexy? Jacqueline's wearing uh high jeans high waisted jeans <laughs> totally blank high waisted jeans and a blouse, okay. The Gordon's there, and they start to talk about the rumors at first and all the things that uh you know Jack or excuse me that Mia spoke about in in Miami. Mia says in a confessional that Jacqueline's like a sister wife without the benefits and like a Mary, like a Mary Brown. And that she and Gordon and Jacqueline are like a s'more. She and Jacqueline are the chocolate and marshmallows and Gordon's the graham cracker on the outside. What are you saying? Mia, what is going on? <laughs> because then they sit down on the couch and Gordon makes a strange comment because they're on an L-shaped couch. And so it's Gordon and, and... Jacqueline's in the middle and then Mia's on the other side and he makes a strange comment about like don't you guys think it's weird that Jacqueline's sitting in the middle but then they ask him oh well do you want us to switch places he's like no don't worry about it but then he rolled his eyes it was just a very strange situation but I almost like even though I think Gordon is creepy and again the thought of him having sex just like oh I really like have to black that out but I also wondered if he really didn't know what was been what has been going on and what has been said, and now he's like, should we try to correct this? But they're still doing this, like, ooh, wink and a nudge. Are we doing something or are we not? And I think I think he's just like confused, like all of us are, frankly. So then they start to talk about, uh, you know, how Robin and Giselle both accosted them separately and then together at the Reasonably Shady show. And Jacqueline says, yeah, I mean, the whole thing just came out of left field for me. How, Jacqueline? <laughs> Candace called you her rep, me as representative down in Miami. Giselle already asked you guys about uh, whether or not you guys like showering together. Robin's asked, do you, got, do you guys get it on or have you? And then, so like, what is a surprise? Now, I don't think these questions are appropriate, but the, I don't think they're out of left field here. Giselle's been trying to do this to you. 
So Jacqueline makes this big to do about, you know, we like to take showers because it's just easy and we like the same water temperature and, you know, hey, we both look good. It's a great view. We're comfortable together. Gordon says he doesn't see it as a big deal. I don't either. I mean, I think I wouldn't probably shower with my friend, but if we had to, it wouldn't be that weird. But also, like I said last week, even though it is completely inappropriate that Giselle and Robin keep asking them this, what they need to do is just be like, this is not appropriate. But instead, you guys are like, ooh, mm, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Mm, we really love each other. It's a great view. Hot water, sad, soapy. And then, so, you know, you guys keep courting this shit and it's like both of y'all are whack for this. And then the wackity continues because they start to talk about the Porsche. So Mia said in Miami, oh, if my girl's not riding around and pulling up in a Porsche, I'm not winning either, which led Giselle to assume that Gordon had bought the car for uh, Jacqueline, right? So we get a flashback to the Reasonably Shady show where they're asking her about the Porsche again. And Mia's response is, well, the Porsche is in Jacqueline's name, which does not mean that she owns it, you know? I mean, it does, but you know what I mean. And then we get the truth on what's going on with the Porsche, which is that Jacqueline, like we said, had has a car in her name, but because she was income qualified. However, Gordon was helping her out because at this time she was spending a lot of money trying to get out of her relationship. A lot of money was tied up in that. Uh, this doesn't make sense to me. And again, this is why you guys aren't helping each, each other. Like, why does she need a Porsche? <laughs> you know, like, it just doesn't really make sense. And also, then Jacqueline was like, oh, you know, he, Gordon, she's talking to Gordon. You did that for me because you love me. And Gordon goes, well, I love Mia. I don't, I don't know if I love you. And Jacqueline's like, you don't love me? And he's like, well, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Mia's like, well, he loves you because he loves me. And it's like, yeah. All of this is so weird. <laughs> so Mia, in this head of hers, somehow has turned this into a jealousy issue on Robin and Giselle's side because she feels like they think that Gordon is just running around being sugar daddy to all of her besties and that they want to get in on that. <sighs> okay. Mia, not a single person wants to be with Gordon. Not even you. So why would they be jealous? Then we flip it over to girls' night out with the PYTs or the PLTs. They can't really decide, but Ashley and her friends. Ashley and her uh, friends with uh, 613 bundles, okay? Um, So they're all out. Ashley explains in a confessional that they're a group of women in the same position. Now, I don't know if they've all been... Um, played by turtle-like Australian husbands or something, but I think she means that they're all divorcees. Giselle meets up with them. They're taking shots, and one of them's like, oh, Giselle, this is your initiation, and Giselle's saying in a confessional, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know if I want to be part of this group because none of you guys wear underwear when you go out. But anyway, they're like the pretty young things or the pretty little things. I think they should be called pretty little liars because that's all that they were doing. They were sitting up with their shots of tequila and just telling lies, fairy tales, and fantasies. So basically... (laughs) First of all, listen, 
Deborah is the friend. Deborah is the friend who came over to Ashley's Concrete City apartment earlier this season. And I thought, oh, there's something about her that I like and I actually think I would want to see more of. And I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. And I apologize if any of my wishes uh, led to the rest of you guys suffering. I really am. So my first question about Deborah is, this is ladies night. They're at some sexy lounge with low blue and purple lighting and all of this, like their fancy cocktails and whatnot. Every one of these PLTs is dressed appropriately. Like they're at a sexy lounge and they're the PYTs going out and, you know, being hot and whatever. Deborah, however, is dressed like the target lady. So... What kind of night are we having here? And that was just like all I needed to know that this woman is confused. She's dizzy and she just says things and does things and they don't make sense. The the red pink button down was giving Joanne fabric. It was giving Tuesday morning. It just wasn't giving like not even she in, you know. So here's what I'm talking about, how tactical this shit was between Giselle and Ashley. So Giselle brings up, oh, ladies, I haven't seen you guys since the Karen's Celebration of Life taco party. And Giselle goes, we need some clarity on some things, right? And Ashley goes, yeah, we do. All of these ladies at the table happen to be there at the Spring Fling. So clearly to me, Ashley and Giselle set up the scene to talk shit about Candace and Chris. Because they, like, we're not accepting Candace's lack of acceptance of them trying to throw her husband under the bus. So now they're just going to try and do, do it again with a Mack truck. We can talk about foreheads here. Um, but we won't. I will just say that I did hear that somebody referred to her as a hammerhead shark. And listen, we shouldn't uh, body shame people or ugly shame people. Everybody's beautiful. Everyone's unique. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm the one who said that she looked like a hammerhead shark. I'm going to make some other comparisons later, but I didn't say the rest of those. And I I swear, I swear I didn't. But this one I did. And you know what? I'm going to give myself a little grace here because I'm an artist. Okay. I'm an artist and I can't, I'm a vessel because of it. And I can't be held responsible for the artistic imagery that comes in my brain because, again, I'm a vessel. So if the comparison is there, what is art but truth? And so if I don't tell the truth, then what do we have? You know? Now, somebody else said that Deborah looked like David Allen Greer. <laughs> and that's really mean. And I didn't. I just, I'm just repeating it, okay? David Allen Greer is a phenomenal comedian, all right? So let's... Okay, we're, we're going to move on. Oh, my God. So Deborah tells all the ladies her Chris story, which is basically a situation where they just happen to be at the bar at the same time, and Chris just put his arm up on the bar like Rico Suave or something as Deborah's telling it and was just staring at her for two minutes. And she's like, you know, I was doing that thing where I was just looking forward, but I could feel that he was looking at me. But thank God 
for these camera people who not e- only were like, it's not even like they were shooting Chris from far away or they just had to rely on surveillance camera that they had set up in the ceilings. No, the cameraman was like maybe eight feet away from Chris, like just keeping his eye on him. Chris, who was looking down at his phone, much like him not looking at Mia earlier this season, he was also not looking at Deborah. And we even see the Chiron that says, Chris, not staring at Deborah. So Deborah goes on to say that she introduces herself to Chris and he says, Oh, my name's Chris. And she says, Oh, well, that's also my husband's name. So the way she tells it, Chris responded like, Oh, well, I feel like a lot of our Chris's are a lot alike and that his elbow just got closer and closer to her at the bar. And he was staring daggers at her and trying to suggest something. But we hear the conversation and we see it. And it's literally just like she has this in the first half where they're introducing themselves to each other. He says, my name's Chris. She says, oh, that's my husband's name. And he goes, oh, yeah, there are a lot of Chris's out there. It's a real common name. That is literally all he said. (laughs) And then Deborah's got some smoke for Eddie of all people, because apparently Eddie smiled at her and she came up with a nickname for him, which is happy Eddie. So of course the only footage that we see of happy Eddie laughing is him laughing with Chris and the rest of the husbands, not at the bar somewhere else. So Deborah says that happy Eddie was smiling at her. So she again, introduced herself to him and that he was kind of flirty and like basically she would not have known by the way he was acting that he was married. Bitch. So Ashley says in a confessional, I've known Deborah for about a year and a half now. I've known the rest of the ladies for about a year and a half. And maybe that's not a long time, but they were all three of them at the bar and they all said the same thing. And my friends are not liars. Okay, well, great. But these girls aren't your friends. I feel like I remember Ashley saying that she met Deborah through some kind of mommy and me group and because they both have kids around the same age and I think that's what happened what's happened Ashley went to some mommy and me and Deborah and her forehead headbutted Ashley probably into some sort of delusion that um you know they're friends and that she's to be trusted and that all these women are to be trusted but really all these women want to be is on television and Ashley I'm sorry that you got got that way but let's be real These women want to be on TV. So then Ashley says that she told Candace because she knows that they're trying to have a baby. Candace and Chris are trying to have a baby and she doesn't want things to end up for Candace the way things ended up for her. (laughs) Okay. So then Deborah asked Candace when you, or asked Ashley, when you reached out to her about that, did she receive that? Well, bitch, you know, she didn't. Because this was like how many, how long ago that this happened at the winery where they were going back and forth, tit for tat at each other. And you think Ashley didn't tell Deborah? Did she receive it well? No, bitch. You know she didn't. And now here you guys are going for round two to try and get her again. And how's it going to work out for you? Not well. So Giselle makes this big fuss like, oh no, Candace really didn't receive it well. No, she didn't. <laughs> so then Deborah's like asking Giselle, well, do you think that I should talk to Wendy about Eddie, happy Eddie? Because he wasn't really 
as bad. He was a little bit more subdued than Chris was. Yeah, tell her. Tell her so you can laugh right in your face. Nobody's going to take you seriously, girl. So Ashley says in a confessional, if I were in Candace's position, and I have been, I would want to know. Because I don't think that ignorance is bliss or whatever. Now, girl. Ashley, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. We've, they've been calling out Michael since season one. He's been cheating on you. They've had receipts. They've had the grinder messages, screenshots, text messages, I mean, recordings, and you chose to stay in that relationship and not have one, but two kids with him. So to act like you don't think ignorance is, yes, you do. You were the happiest person <laughs> for years, for years. And until you want to tell the truth about that, like, I don't want to hear about you trying to save Kate. No, you're not. You're trying to be messy. You're not trying to save her at all. So then we go over to Wendy's house. She's still recovering from her surgery. So she's at home with the kids. Typical, you know, I'm happy to be with my children, but I'm working. I'm a working mom and I like to be working. <laughs> so um, they sit down. She sits down with Eddie. And she's like, you know, I just had lunch with Ashley. We find out the day before. And Ashley brought up Deborah and these allegations the people versus happy Eddie. So the flashback we see is Ashley being like trying to explain the situation. And Wendy's like, Oh, Deborah, this is the same one that was talking about the Chris stuff. And so, yeah, she's like, well, Wendy, I'm a little bit apprehensive to tell you, but apparently when Chris was talking to Deborah, Eddie came over and the consensus seemed to be that Eddie was being flirtatious. So they were calling him happy Eddie. <laughs> so Wendy's like, okay. okay. <laughs> so then Wendy tells Eddie, I asked her what the issue was or, you know, what is it that you did? And we cut back to the flashback of Ashley saying to Wendy, well, I guess what he did was that he was smiling So Eddie goes, oh, shit, I can't even smile anymore. Like, what is going on? Wendy says in a confessional, nobody's concerned about Eddie having a friendly conversation because he's very happy. And you know what? Look at me. Why wouldn't he be? After that, Mia has lunch with Giselle and Robin. And there's extensive talk about the state of... Mia and Robin's son's balls that I don't care to get into. Didn't want to hear it. Don't want to repeat it. So Giselle then tells Mia about Karen telling the flashlight story, which uh, Giselle has cleverly renamed as going Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> Mia going Jacques Cousteau on Jacqueline. So Mia says, Jacqueline just asked me to go in there. And for some reason, Robin goes, was Jacqueline itchy? Is that why she asked you? <laughs> what is going on in Robin's room? Do you guys get it on? Was her vagina itchy? I think my son's balls dropped. Can I get the avocado toast, please? Anyway, Mia says, no, Jacqueline's vagina was not itchy, but we find out that that was probably a lie. <sighs> why we had to know any of these, but I don't know. Anyway, so... Giselle then asked Mia, girl, why did you not say anything about previously hooking up with Peter's girlfriend? And Mia goes, well, it didn't come up. 
And Giselle goes, what are you talking about? Peter was a topic of conversation the whole time we were there. And Mia goes, yeah, well, not his girlfriend. <laughs> okay. So then, I, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Mia reveals more about the situation with Peter's girlfriend, which is that she was never penetrated by Gordon. That was never the situation. They just engaged in some foreplay. That's one. Um, the day before Mia married Gordon, the day before their wedding. Now here's where Mia's story gets garbled. So she says that this foreplay hookup happened at, uh, Gordon's bachelor party, which Mia then ended up crashing. So Giselle was like, well, why was the girl there? Oh, maybe cause they, maybe the whole bridal party crashed. Okay. So I'll give you that. So she's like, oh, well, she's my bridesmaid. She actually sang us down the aisle. Now imagine having what I can only assume is the husband-to-be's dick in your mouth. <laughs> and then you're using that same throat to sing a song as his wife-to-be walks down the aisle. Listen, do what you got to do, okay? Like live and let live, be open, fuck whoever you want as long as it's consensual and all parties are good. But just the imagery. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bro, sis. <laughs> she and then she sang what what is happening so Mia's like yeah I mean she was a really sweet girl we're not friends now but like at the time she was real cool what happened what happened what happened I, I mean I it's like I don't want to know anymore but there's still a lot of holes in this story oh my god so anyway so Mia's now pissed at Karen of all people, not mad at Giselle for repeatedly asking these questions, not mad at Robin for doing the same, not mad at all of these events in which they've asked Mia multiple times about the things that she has herself said to people. Now Mia chooses to be mad at Karen because she feels like Karen shouldn't be spreading information that she told her, but she didn't tell you that in confidence. You said that on a vacation, anybody could have heard it. Which is probably why Karen didn't really feel any way about repeat, repeating it because you said this like in a car, didn't she? Did she not? So Mia is like, well, you know, I could be saying the real reason why Sharice doesn't 
you know, why Karen doesn't like Sharice, but I'm not saying that. Okay. Well, you will. So now it's time for Grand Dame and Friends. And Karen says in a confessional, you know, my, my live show is a thank you to all my supporters and all due respect to Beyonce, but she's not the only one with a hive because I have the LaDoms. We see a flashback of her explaining the LaDom hive to Giselle and Robin. And Robin goes, that's what they're called? And Karen goes, yes, Robin. Do you have a problem with that? Do you have your Robins? I don't think so. (laughs) Giselle is the first to arrive to the show. At one point, some man uh, says, hey, Karen, to Giselle. She's like, I'm Giselle, not Karen. So thank you very much. Um, (laughs) She says in a confessional, if this isn't the proof that I support Karen, I don't know what, what is. Because I don't know what this show is. I don't know why I'm here. She explained the whole thing to me. Still confused. Ashley shows up with his forehead. I mean, Deborah, And in a confessional, Giselle says, honestly, I'm not really mad at Ashley for bringing her. Because Candace doesn't listen to anything. So, honestly, I think this is going to be good. Now you have to remember, didn't Monique... Didn't, was it Monique who brought one of Pastor Holy Whore's exes? Or no, no, no. Sherman. Remember when Giselle was dating Sherman? And then Monique brought Sherman's ex-wife around? <laughs> and Giselle didn't like that, did she? Didn't like it. So the ladies all sit down at the table. And <laughs> clearly Mia's having something going on with her microphone. I don't know if you guys saw the the sound engineer or somebody like trying to help her. <laughs> digging into her titties trying to get this microphone to work but um she makes some comment about having barbie titties but apparently uh you know when they went to the club all the ladies went to the club in miami unbeknownst to karen tiff i wasn't sure if it was tiff or fee maybe it was fee maybe it was tiff i don't know one of her nipples was out we'll just put it that way um and she didn't know so sharice posted in the group chat with all the ladies, a video of Karen and Mia dancing. Both of them had their areolas out, but Karen says she didn't know. So <laughs> she says, Karen responds in the tech in the group chat. Love this. Me and Janet Jackson. Hope your areolas look this good at 59. <laughs> so Karen says in a confessional, I just feel like Sharice tried to post that to get my attention because she knows I don't fuck with her. So not going to respond. So then they ask, why is Sharice not there? Y'all know dead as well why Sharice is not there. Because she does not fuck with her. Okay, It's been very clear. They don't like each other. Why would she invite her to her very special night of all of her supporters and LaDoms? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. So they're like, oh, well, I thought we all had plus ones. They're like, well, we did. But in the group chat, you notice Karen set a separate group chat inviting all of us. Everybody except for Sharice. So there's there's that. So Ashley's just ready to stir up every pot that she could possibly get her hands on. And she does. Starting with Karen. How Karen talked about Mia and Jacqueline. And Jacqueline clarifies the reason why she had Mia look at her vagina with a flashlight is because she had a yeast infection. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, yuck. Like, ugh. Why? Never mind. So Mia says that she doesn't understand why Karen talks so much because Karen told her things she doesn't run and tell the rest of the group about. Right before the show, Robin turns to Candace, who showed up with Miss Dorothy, and 
she says, uh, do you know that Ashley's friend, she's that girl, she's here, the one who's been talking about Chris. So Candace looks over and goes, that's the friend? That's the one that Chris was uh, allegedly touching on, quote unquote. And then she, she looks back at Robin and she goes, okay, like, <laughs> Robin just goes back and goes, say less. I know what you're saying. I get it. I get it. So in a confessional, Candace goes, I do not acknowledge Sesame Street characters. They're make-believe. They belong at Sesame Street. Next. And then, y'all, I swear to you, if I could turn back time and be a woman in STEM and go back into editing TV, I would do it. Because I gotta say, the people, whoever's editing Potomac must be having the best time in that editing studio and have the best jobs on the planet. So because none of these ladies know what the hell is going on with this show, we get this old-timey graphic of the acts of Karen show. You would think that act one would be Karen, but it's some comedian named Robin. And when Karen finally comes out, she says in a confessional that she feels like the Muhammad Ali of live shows. Karen has not even made it to the stage yet. She's still shuffling and Wendy slithering her way to the the microphone. But already we're feeling like Muhammad Ali. Shout out to the editors who also cut to this middle-aged white man. (laughs) He looked extremely bored in the crowd. Like, it seemed like maybe he thought this was, uh, you know, like amateur night. But he didn't get the, the schedule changed. And now he's confused. So Robin, the comedian, goes, Karen comes out to give a speech and introduce Jasmine Masters. And at the bottom of the screen, it says, Karen's time on stage, 52 seconds. So Ashley says to the rest of the ladies, I thought this was supposed to be a one-woman show. And Ashley, it is, if that woman is... Jasmine Masters. So for Act 3, Jasmine does a musical lip sync thing, but we can't hear what it is because the old-timey music's playing and they're like, well, we can't afford the clearance, so we just get this footage in black and white. So now we're logging in four minutes and 23 seconds of Karen's stage time, and Act 4 is a sizzle topics question with uh, that comedian and... Jasmine. Now, that comedian, her name is Robin Montague, but I think I'm probably doing her a favor because the joke we saw her tell was just a a real funny story about how I don't like trainers because they push me too hard. (laughs) Like real Kathy comic style. Not great. So during the sizzle topics, there's a question and answer portion. And Mia gets up and goes, I would just like to know what you do when you share something with a friend and they spread it to other people. So in a confessional, Karen says, I love you, Mia, but stop it. This is my show. So she tells Mia, you can get over it. Because whatever I said about you, it was true. Don't worry about it. And Mia goes, well, if I tell you something, then don't run to these two, pointing to Robin and Giselle. And Giselle goes, yeah, because I'll, I'll tell it. I'll, I will say that. <laughs> so Mia says in a confessional, I don't understand why people get upset when they get called out because you did it. Like, you can't even be mad about that. But then Karen says in a confessional, sit your ass down and go ahead and complete your Build-A-Puss project and leave me the fuck alone so I can get on with this show. (laughs) Not Build-A-Puss. Build-A-Puss. Now that's, you gotta appreciate a throwback when you, when you hear it. Uh, 
So after the show, Ashley goes over to Candace and goes, Candace, have you met my friend Deborah? And Candace, who already has been given the heads up by Robin, plays it so cool. She goes, oh, is this the girl that said Chris was grabbing on her? Is that her? And Deborah goes, well, he wasn't grabbing on me. He was just flirting heavy. So Candace goes, okay, what was he saying to you, Deborah? <laughs> and Deborah says the thing about, you know, the Chris having their same name and his elbow leaning closer and closer to her. So Mia leads over to Candace and goes, wait, is this the girl? <laughs> and she's like, uh, Deborah goes, well, I'm, I'm not the girl. I'm one of them. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Candace just says, girl. <laughs> so Mia says in a confessional, listen, if I were to rate Wendy and Candace out of 10, I'd give them like an eight plus. Listen. I really like Deborah, but she's like a four and a half. I mean, she's cute, but not like cute. You know what I mean? Well, Jasmine Masters goes on stage to perform her final number. The screen says, still no budget for this song. So more old timey piano music. Ashley tries to approach Candace again. Again. And again, is playing all innocent. Like, Candace, I don't understand why you can't just talk to her because... You know, she's just trying to clear the air with you. Candace says in a confessional, why is Ashley insisting that I talk to Sesame Street? Because Ashley is a messy hoe. Why on God's green earth would you bring this random Sesame Street character up to the place where I'm going? Go count some letters. Go count some numbers. Go do your ABCs. Go read a book to a child. Oh my gosh. I saw a clip on TikTok of uh, Candace doing a podcast with Carlos King and they were talking about Giselle and how it just doesn't make sense that Chris would hit on Giselle because she's beautiful. Make no mistake. She's a very beautiful person, but there's an empty shell and it's rotten on the inside. (laughs) So why would he want that? So after Ashley struck out twice, Deborah tries to approach Candace herself to talk. And she's like, will you talk to me? And Candace just smiles at her and goes, no, ma'am. And looks right away at her. So (laughs) that was the end of this episode. But next episode looks so good. We got more of that old timey piano footage. And whoo, it, it is on and popping because Ashley and the rest of the ladies are headed to Mexico for her birthday trip and this is where we get not only the fight between Karen and Sharice but also we find out what the hell ended up happening between Mia and Jacqueline. Mia we see yelling um you need to close your legs to married men bitch and Jacqueline's screaming back at me I'm fucking done with you so I cannot wait. I truly cannot wait Best, best housewives franchise that we've got and i'll say that all right let's move on why won't you tell me heather did you black out or do you know what happened i remember how i got it you do yeah and other people know how i got it too so how why do those people know and i don't because i was on a friendship break you didn't tell me because you're on a friendship break yeah and I don't actually know if I would tell you because the trust has been broken. Y'all, what the fuck are we watching? This gay is trying to murder us. And by that, I mean Heather Gay. 
what is going on? Let's get into it. I was basically done with the episode, I don't know, eight, nine seconds into it because Heather is sitting at that table with her uh, evil eye, uh, eye patch askew and trying to act like she's got amnesia on top of this damn ocular situation, asking everybody at the table, what? Do I have a black eye? What? I don't know what you're talking about. What is going on? Then she turns to Jen and says, Jen, you said that I look fine. And Jen's like, "Mm -mm, I did not. I did not say that. Whitney's doing what I'm doing and what I think all of the world is doing in a confessional, which is trying to figure out what's going on here. Laser focused on Heather, laser focused on this interaction between Heather and Jen, trying to read between the lines here because it seems like Heather's really reliant on Jen to um, keep her story straight or whatever. And it's giving. It's giving that Jen did this. It's giving that she doesn't want uh, homegirl to have another story that might further uh, you know, the clankety clank of it all. And uh, she's like trying to keep it cute, but she's also trying to feed breadcrumbs to people and be cutesy about this and throw, what is happening? Like this shit is not cute to me. I don't understand what Heather's doing. I loved her so much. This is such flop loser behavior. I just can't abide by it. Not anymore. So then Dana tries to change the subject and take this opportunity to say, hey girl, we had a great time in the go-car earlier. And I just want to let you know right now that I know somebody who I trust and they know somebody who used to work for you and they did some dirty deeds. They felt very uncomfortable with the business that you were running, Miss Mama, and they pled guilty to some charges and they don't trust you. And this person has said that I should now watch my back because of you. I'm kind of with Jen on this one. Who said that? Who is it? And if you're not going to say who it is and you're not going to tell the whole story and you're not going to talk about this uh, now informant, allegedly, shut the fuck up. I still have to go to you know, trial, miss. So what are you doing right now? Like, what's what's good here? Now, Jen did lose me when we found out that two hours earlier, she had packed a back, uh, box of Clairol to dye Dana's hair in the name of a girl's trip. Um, so, you know, she lost me there, but I'm kind of with her. Like, I'm in the fight of my life, ma'am. So keep it cute. My issue with Dana which is like maybe not fair to her is that she keeps trying to make sense out of nonsense. And it's just like, we're the boats not being driven. Nobody's at the wheel and we're just like floating off into sea. And you're trying to be like, Oh, everybody put your life jacket on and like, let's be serious here. And that's, that's not what we're doing here. Sorry. This is not the real world. Dana keeps demanding of the other women to, you know, explain why they keep accepting Jen's behavior and Whitney's like because we know what she's like we know that she blows up and this is like bullshit they really should hold her accountable make no mistake but they're like girl we already know that she's volatile over nothing you think I'm gonna talk to her and and try to be transparent with her about her uh upcoming girl like no So Jen gets up from the table, uh, Heather and Meredith follow after her and, you know, they're like talking strategy, trying to talk her Jen down off the ledge, but 
Heather does something real weird, which is that they're like in the bathroom. It's Meredith, Heather, and Jen, and they're looking at each other, looking in the mirror, primping themselves. And she says to Jen, you know, calm down, go back in there and we'll just distract them by asking them what happened to Heather's eye. And then they're not going to be able to say anything. And, you know, we'll just be able to work it out, like distract them. And Meredith is in a confessional, like, what? Huh? Like, why is Heather saying, oh, we're just going to go over there and put the fear of God into them. But then we still not going to tell them what happened. Like, she is like a true cat eating the canary. It's weird. It's real weird. Not as weird as Heather, Whitney rather, being like, you know, if Jen is found guilty, then it's going to be an awkward conversation. But I am willing to sit across from her and have a conjugal visit. And all of them at once. Girl, that's not what that is. It's like more of a hookup sex thing. You don't have to have sex. Just that's not. It's just a visit, not conjugal. That was basically the end of anything relevant in San Diego. Finally. Three days have felt like three months in San Diego. We are back, back in Salt Lake City. And later, Heather goes to Angie H.'s house. Angie tries to really get down to who hit Heather. But she does it in a way that initially I found kind of heavy handed. But then I was like, actually, this is pretty good. Because Angie was approaching it in like a true girl. I'm coming to you as a woman. Are you being abused? Don't you know, protect the person who did this to you. I am here for you anytime you need me. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Because I know that this is bullshit, I'm like kind of rolling my eyes. But on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, Heather, actually, somebody really needs to put into perspective for you, like what it is that you're doing. Isn't that funny? And that there are, you know, allegations of abuse that actually need to be taken seriously. And you're making like a cat and mouse game out of it. And it's actually not cute. Um, So, yeah, maybe somebody does need to be a little bit heavy handed and say, girl, This is some abuse is some real shit that we take seriously. And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt by um, believing that this is not some bullshit. And other people might do that too. So is this really like the lane that you want to go down? Whitney does kind of wrap up her healing journey by having a conversation with her brother about, you know, how to 
deal with the past. And he gives her some very great advice, which is you need to really think about moving forward because that's the only thing that you can control. The only like, you know, thing that you can look forward to. So why don't you, you know, find your truth, do some Reiki or something and find people in your life that pour into you as much as you pour into them, which we all know all roads lead back to Heather with Whitney. So we'll see, right? Jen does a video chat with her therapist, Ernest, who hmm, I don't know if we should be paying this man. Maybe, um, no shade, probably the most incompetent therapist I've seen on television. I just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But Jen is talking a lot about her guilt, right? About leading up to things. She's not being able to sleep. She's depressed. There's a lot of anxiety. And Ernest first tells her, you know, you should set up some support structures as the trial gets closer so that you don't feel so alone. But then Jen starts talking about the guilt that she feels towards Omar, her teenage son that lives there, towards Sharif Jr., who's trying to get into medical school, whether or not this is impacting them, how you know, am I putting a negative spin on their lives? And he tells her, no, this is not impacting them. They're worried about you because they love you. And that's that. And I don't know if that's exactly true. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for, for Reefy and Omar, but I would imagine they probably are a little bit mad at her. And I think, you know, that is fair and valid. And Jen should not be in an, I don't know, like, <sighs> is unnecessary guilt fair? But no, I think it's imper- like, it's perfectly reasonable for to expect these children to feel some type of way and for coach Shaw to feel some type of way about the position that she's put them in I mean I just didn't that didn't feel like great advice to me like I legitimately think he said it's not impacting them negatively of course it is how could it not be that's wild to me anyway Meredith has her fashion show for her sister or nephew's charity great you know organization for mental health Angie K and Dana show up first and Meredith Meredith has an I'm not mad counter that comes up. So she's talking to Dana and Angie about uh, Angie running to Lisa to tell her that they had a conversation about that SEC filing for Vita Taco. I don't know. So she's like, Angie, you know, I'm not mad, but I just feel some type of way about, you know, you going to Lisa five minutes after we had this conversation about the filing. And I thought that was pretty uncool of you, Angie. I just thought that we could have talked about it all at dinner, but I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. So Angie K says, you know, I really just don't want to be in the middle of it. And Meredith goes, I'm not mad. I'm moving on. I'm moving forward. I'll just know not to speak to you negatively about anybody else around you. It's okay. I'm not mad. These are irritations, so I'm just going to voice them. But honestly, I didn't think I was speaking negatively about Lisa. I was just talking about a public document that is a filing. So it's not like I'm gossiping about some unknown secret. And then she turns to Dana and is like, you know, I kind of feel like I'm the one who got you on this trip. So I'm just kind of like, wow, Dana. But, you know, I'm not mad. I'm moving on. Lisa shows up and, ooh, nasty nasty first lisa says you know i am of course going to show up this is about mental health and you know the first step in that is kindness but meredith says 
well, of course she showed up. I expected her to. It's not, you know, she really likes to keep up appearances and it's really not a good look to bail out on a charity, you know. It also gives her an opportunity to pose for some social media. And she, then she does a duck face, <laughs> which was exactly right because that's exact the exact duck face that Lisa made in the photo of her at the exact charity. So, you know, Jen and Coach Shaw show up and we find out that Coach Shaw has a check in his pocket and Jen tells us that she hit up Angie K for the detailed list of what she owes her from that party. And it came out to about, I don't know, 13, six, something like that. A Honda, right? So Jen says, I'm just hoping that from six weeks from now, I'm not getting another uh, IOU because I stepped on her lawn and now she has charging me for landscaping. So Angie K gets around Lisa and Dana to tell her that she heard from Angie H a couple days ago that Jen actually reached out to Angie H in order for them to have some sort of mea culpa. Um, I want our husbands to hang out with each other. Let's make up. Right. So now all of them are like, "Mm mm-mm. They're all mad at Jen. They all think this is some hypocritical bullshit. And Lisa says in a confessional, I'm just having a hard time being on the side of innocence when Jen lies so much in our friendship. Like, how would I not believe that you're going to do that in other aspects of your life? Like your work life. I mean, yeah, that's not an unfair question, Lisa. Dana's pissed. She's completely over it. She's like, that girl's a liar. I've been telling you guys that. I've been feeling that this whole time. I feel like there are two people inside of Jen and she needs to start being consistent. Well, listen, I don't want to take away from how great it is that that charity is doing what it's doing, which is, you know, the point is to, you know, match a, a specific and like the perfect mental health journey, uh, you know, to healing for the individual, right? Who's going through it. I don't want to take away from that. I just want to say... As an avid reality TV watcher, I need, it's like the way that the concept of 180 degrees and 360 degrees is beating their asses. Like, why does nobody understand? 180 is the opposite. 360 is coming back to the original place. So Meredith, your nephew did a 180. And he's much better now, not a 360. I just don't know why that's so difficult. But, you know, I'm happy for the 180. Thrilled. Coach ends up giving the check to Angie and her husband. And as as usual, he's just being very honorable and saying, you know, I just wanted to make things right because I wasn't under the impression that we owed you anything. But now that we do, here's your check. Cash it, please. I did notice that the cash, uh, the check they showed was like 12000 which was less than the thirteen six, but you know, maybe they worked out a, a deal after that. Um, so also Angie H. <laughs> Angie H is a real so-and-so. She says in a confessional, I'm going to run to the bank and deposit that check before the feds uh, freeze her bank account. Wow. The episode ends with Heather going over to Whitney's house to reconcile, but of course things get weird immediately. Whitney tells Heather, you know, going on a friendship break with you wasn't meant to hurt your feelings or anything, and it wasn't meant to be a dig, but, you know, I do just feel like I've been chasing you, Heather. 
Heather's like, I don't think you've been chasing me at all. You don't know anything about my life. You don't even know how I got this black eye, do you? So Whitney says, okay, well, what is going on with that? Because you've said you're, were assaulted. You said that nobody should open the door when somebody knocks at 4 a.m. You've said you don't remember. You say you don't want to talk about it. Heather, why are you laughing? Heather's literally sitting there covering her mouth, trying to keep from giggling on camera. Why is she laughing? This is weird. So Heather goes, well, you know, it's just funny. And it's also true. And it's part of the whole mystery of the eye. Bitch, what are you talking about? So Whitney says what we've all been thinking, which is that it's insane to watch Heather go through this journey of her eye. It's very weird. So Whitney point blank asks Heather, did somebody do that to you? And Heather's like, well, <laughs> I just don't really think that's important right now. The only thing Heather can say is that Jen's boobs did it and that her boobs are forces of nature. But Whitney's like, okay, did you black out? Did you honestly not know what happened? I know you're going through a lot. You're a single mother, beauty lab, whatever, stress, you're writing the book and, you know, you've been drinking, you know, what's going on here? Heather says that she does remember how she got it and other people know how she got it too. So when Whitney says, why do other people know when I don't know? Heather says, well, <laughs> we were on a friendship break. And actually, I don't know if I would tell you because the trust between us has been broken. Heather says in a confessional that she feels like Whitney's trying to befriend other people, <clears throat> Lisa. And because of it, she's sacrificing her friendship to do it. But she also feels like Whitney just thinks like, oh, I'm just going to take it and come back running to you. And she's not going to do that. And, you know, that's it. She's like, I think Whitney's taking me for granted. Because she just assumed that we would just get back to like it is. So I think we need to just love each other and give each other space. Which is exactly how I feel about the franchise of Salt Lake City as a whole. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. That next week is the finale. And with that, I'll be back tomorrow with a Jen Shaw update. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.